Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts i'm diosa and i'm mala we are the creators of locatora radio a radiophonic novella which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast welcome to locatora radio season nine love, love at first, first listen. listen this season we're falling in love with podcasting all over again with new segments correspondence and a new sound listen to locatora radio as part of the michael dura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts i'm saleha mosin and i've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the united states in 2016 i saw how voters were leaning towards trump and how so many americans felt misunderstood by washington so i started the big take dc we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time, that's 12 to 3 Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom up, America. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Part two of the must-win game in the National Football League. Last week we told you, Falcons-Steelers felt that way. Tell you what uh, tonight's game means uh, to a team that I don't think people are discussing of of the two. We'll get to that upcoming Thursday night football. By the way, it should be pointed out that uh, Thursday night football, I believe, is a stunning success for Fox. But What the NFL has done is what the NBA did to Saturday night hoops. They have squashed it for college hoops and for college football. Like You have to... And I understand some of this is because of conference alignment. But if you go back to when I was in school, and it wasn't that long ago, I was pretty long, long ago. But if you go back to 90s, early 2000s, Thursday night football, you would have the old, you'd have the Big East, you'd have Miami at Virginia Tech, right? You remember those days? Beamer ball in, in the 90s was made 
Thursday night football, great games, great games. There's still Thursday night games. Just no one watches them because if you watch football, you're going to watch the National Football League. Anyway, Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio. Everyone's still talking, not just about Thursday night football. We're a day away from the NLCS getting underway on Fox. But we're also uh, waiting for Tuesday night's NBA tip-off. And instead of freaking out over how the Warriors looked or Trey Young hitting a 35-footer to win a preseason game and making over a, uh, making paralysis by analysis on preseason games, let's talk about the latest drama. Jimmy Butler, and this story broke in show yesterday. Jimmy Butler and Sham Sharania, who works for Stadium now, recently tweeted out that there was a players-only meeting led by Jimmy Butler and he committed to wanting to compete with the player, with the current group of Timberwolves. Other players spoke up, and that appears to be the way in which the Timberwolves are leaning, that he's going to play with these guys. You go back and he had an interview yesterday, just so happened to have an interview set up with Rachel Nichols right after the practice in which he led the Scrubs to a victory in a scrimmage. Here was Jimmy Butler sitting down with Rachel Nichols. That's raw me, me at my finest, me at my purest. That's what you're going to get inside the lines. Is it fixable? It could be. It could be. But uh, do I think so? No. Because you got to be honest. You have, I'm being honest. Do I think so? No. I'm being honest with you. Mm-hmm. But is everybody going to be honest? No. No, everybody's not going to be honest. Like if you go and say, which one of y'all told what Jimmy said today in practice? Everybody, no, I don't I don't know. <laughs> Well, be honest. I don't care. There ain't nothing we can do about it now, but be honest. So Jimmy Butler hurt by the dishonesty within the locker room, the leaks in the locker room. It is ironic. It is ironic that Jimmy Butler wants honesty, and yet he just so happens to have an interview with Rachel Nichols set up when this incident just so happens to have happened. Right? But uh, among the things that people don't react well to, Remember, we talked about Odell Beckham Jr. essentially calling out his team as having no heart. And um, he said that uh, he felt like he was being schemed out. So he's talking about the coaching staff. And he said, we got to play with great effort, meaning he's saying guys don't play hard. That, that attacks coaching. Coaches have to get their guys to play as hard as possible. Calling somebody a liar is not... Is, is not a way to endear yourself as a leader. I, I understand what Jimmy Butler... Jimmy Butler is trying to execute a, um, a hostile takeover of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Hey, look, I'll stay here, I'll play here, but we're going to do it my way and I'm going to be the leader. And it, this, some of this goes back to articles written when he was in Chicago. In We all have egos. Right. There's there isn't a a human being that's successful that doesn't have an ego. Uh, Tex Winter passed away last night at the age of 96. Of course, most of you know Tex Winter because of the triangle offense, something that unless you understand basketball and even guys that understand basketball don't understand what the triangle offense is, how it's executed and how it allowed uh, Phil Jackson to win 11 titles in Chicago and in Los Angeles. But, Phil ja- but, but Tex Winter, in spite of the fact that he was ultimately awarded 
as a basketball Hall of Famer, he may have had an ego. He just hit it quite nicely. He did so with self-deprecating humor. And I'm not saying it's wrong for an NBA player to have an ego, especially a star player to have an ego. I believe Jimmy Butler is a star player. I don't believe he's a superstar, but I believe he's a star player. But Butler's ego outside out is is too large for his actual game and too large to work with others. Right? Like and I, I find this actually with my own son. So my son's nine years old. And we're trying to figure out what he's going to be best at because he loves just about everything. He plays basketball. He's okay, but he really likes playing with the team. He plays baseball. He's good. Um, he's very good. He's a lefty who hits righty. We're going to have to, we got to turn him around here this off season. He plays tennis. He's pretty good. He actually plays right-handed, even though he's left-handed in life. He plays football. He's very, very good as a, as a wide receiver, but do we want him playing football? And ultimately, is that the way he wants to go? And when sitting down with my wife and trying to decide, hey, what, what sport, you know, he, he used to play soccer, thinks about wanting to go back out for soccer. At some point, you do have to whittle down the number of sports. And the reason that even though he loves tennis, I don't think he's a tennis player is because he feeds off the energy of others and loves winning and even losing as a team. He is a team guy. You have to be able to function within a locker room. Now, each sport is different in terms of the team, right? In baseball, you got to get along with people socially and you do need to, to work together. You know, Yasiel Puig not hitting the cutoff man early in his career and some of the things he didn't do to endear himself hurt him with the team. But the truth is in baseball, if you're a pitcher, um, if you're a catcher, if you're a pitcher, you're a relief pitcher, you're a pinch hitter, you're a cat. Unless you're a catcher, you don't really have to have great relationships with everybody on your team. In football, it's more about your position group and your side of the ball. In basketball, you do. It's, it's a very much, it's, I think the most team event because you both play offense, you both play defense together. And when you're on the court, you need all five guys functioning together as one. Jimmy Butler is almost, he's more like a baseball player, more like a tennis player than he is like a basketball player. I, I understand he has a sizable ego and that he feels like his competitive spirit is greater than some of the other younger players on the team, like a Carl Anthony Towns. I get that. But in addition to not understanding his own place within the lineage of star players in the NBA, I'm not sure he understands other people's egos. When he says, I'm being honest, and the way in which he says it, he's calling out the lack of honesty of others. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind. He believes Carl Anthony Towns is the one who runs to the media because Carl Anthony Towns is a media darling. And Carl Anthony Towns, when he gets done playing, couldn't be in the media. Nobody likes being called a liar. Ever watch the Western? What gets the guys to stand up and go out and have a, have a draw? You calling me a liar? Right? It's not just his ego. We all have them. And you're not going to be homeless growing up to becoming a star in college and a, I mean, a, a star in college and then 
a second round pick and a uh, all NBA guy and uh, all star in the pros unless you believe in yourself. But believing in yourself to the detriment of others, when your ego not only outsizes your talent, but but uh, but questions the ego, confidence, and legitimacy of others, you run the risk of alienating yourself. And you may end up leading this ship, but if, if two teams are tired of the way in which you want hostile takeovers to take place, it becomes really hard to find a third team that's going to buy in and, and go all in. The Butler thing is fascinating. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Ed Warder is uh, not just an NFL insider. I mean, that guy, this guy is as respected a guy as there's been in the industry for the past 20 years. Follow him on Twitter at EdWarderRFA. Check him out on the Doomsday Podcast. He joins us every week here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Um, Ed, one of the teams that, uh, I mean, look, all the teams, you have a ton of knowledge about what's going on inside their front offices. But uh, one of the teams that you know maybe better than anybody on earth is the Dallas Cowboys. What's what's the sense of Jason Garrett's job status as many have come out and said uh, he could be the first one to go if things don't change in Big D? I don't see him uh, getting fired during the season. Jerry Jones has excused every coach the Cowboys have ever had, from Tom Landry to Jimmy Johnson to Bill Parcells. But he's only once uh, replaced a coach during the season, and that was Wade Phillips when the Cowboys in a Sunday night nationally televised game lost to the Packers 45-7, to and it became quite obvious that the team had quit on on uh, Wade Phillips, and he had Jason Garrett uh, to give the job to. So uh, Garrett's somebody that, uh, you know, Jerry Jones has always coveted, and so I do think that he came into this season having to win to remain the Cowboys coach, and I think he put himself in some jeopardy with his decision the other night to punt in the – on the first possession uh, in in the uh, of overtime against Houston on the road, Jerry Jones himself said uh, that they were being outplayed, and that was a situation where taking a risk might have been necessary. And this is a league where, you know, Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl with bold decisions. And even earlier in the day last Sunday, Sean McVay went for it on fourth down on his own side of the field with the lead uh, to close out the Seahawks. So. Uh, there's a lot of criticism in the building even of Garrett. I talked to a source over there who said, quote, you've got to play to win on the road. I don't know about us being the lesser team, but if your mantra is fight as Garrett's is, then you go into a fight swinging, not running around the ring in the final uh, 15th, 15th round of the match with the judges having you even on the scorecard. So uh, I think he's placed himself in some jeopardy, but I don't think – I think he's going to get the full season before his fate is ultimately determined. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. The, the interesting thing about McVay, who's being championed, McVay was going to punt. He was going to punt, right. and then Pete and then Pete Carroll called timeout, and the players were like, "Hey, we don't we don't we don't want to punt. We want to go for it. Let's end the game." And it ended up working out. It is really, um, it it is very interesting. And then you know, look the juxtaposition of that decision with last week in Indy. On the other side of the field, the, their own 43-yard line, the Colts go for it, don't get it, and lose the game to the exact same team, the Texans. Like, there's a lot, there's there's a lot kind of going on there. Um, what what about the blame for the offensive, um, yeah. the offensive inadequacies 
Does that well, on him? Sean, I mean, Scott Linehan. I know they changed position coaches, but they kept Linehan. And the thought right. was, hey, we'll go with an ensemble cast. And to this point, it hasn't worked with those wide receivers. Kind of one of the odd decisions that Jerry Jones made that you almost never see anywhere else in the league. After last season's 7-9 and nine disappointment, uh, there was some pressure to fire uh, Jason Garrett at that time. Instead, Jerry Jones comes up with this concept where he keeps the head coach and the two coordinators and, and basically replaces most of the position coaches and believe that that could make a significant difference. They're in a situation now where, you know, coming into this season, it was believed that Dak Prescott, uh, you know, would have another good year. The Cowboys would then uh, be allowed to renegotiate his contract for the first time going into his fourth year and that they would pay him franchise quarterback type money. Not so sure that's going to happen now. A uh, lot of concern, despite all the rules changes and uh, the record number of points being scored to this point, record number of touchdowns being scored to this point. You know, the Cowboys are in scoring ahead of only two teams starting rookie quarterbacks, the Bills and the Cardinals. They're averaging 16 points a game. There's all kinds of questions about Dak Prescott's accuracy, which has fallen every year from 67% to current 61%. His yards of per game passing have gone from 229 to 209 to currently 192. Uh, and, and he just doesn't seem to be able to elevate this average group of receivers uh, that the Cowboys have put around him. And, and I think that's a noteworthy point, Doug. You know, they, they claim that they think he's a franchise quarterback. Well, I think if you really believe that, then you do what the Eagles and the Rams and the Bears have done for their young quarterbacks. You know, Carson Wentz and Jared Goff and Mitch Trubisky. You go out and you assemble as strong a supporting cast for them to have success as you can, and that's certainly uh, not what the Cowboys have done. Instead, they let um, you know J- Jason Witten retired after 15 years. They didn't have an adequate replacement for him. That's become obvious. And then Des Bryant was released, and the Cowboys shouldn't have done that if they didn't have somebody better, and clearly they don't. Yeah, the, the Des Bryant thing is interesting. Like, I get that he had he wasn't a number one wide receiver, but you, you didn't you didn't have a plan B. Neither were any what, of the guys they signed to replace it. No, and, and they kind of knew that. And you know, it's interesting now that you know Des has been trolling them on Twitter every time they play, uh, and at the same time, he's made it very clear that that he's open to coming back and forgiving everything that happened and. Uh, obviously, we talked about last week about all the criticism he levied at certain people in the organization, including uh, key players and the head coach and the offensive coordinator. So maybe it's not a situation that can be repaired, um, but it's interesting that he's willing to do it. Yeah, it, it's very interesting. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Ed Werder is our guest. Um, Tonight you have the Giants taking on the Philadelphia Eagles, and a lot of people are focused on the Giants, rightfully so, because of the decisions they made in the draft, the decisions they made in free agency. But what about the Philadelphia Eagles? Here's a team that had their chest puffed out after winning the Super Bowl. We took chances. We went for it. We have fun. You know, you, you lose your quarterback coach and your offensive coordinator. That's what happens when you're successful. Um, you didn't have your quarterback first couple games. You also didn't have Alshon Jeffrey. Now you got a running. Now you got an issue at at, at running back with injury. Um, how how stable is that team? As look, I, I, they're a one and a half point favorite. But they lose tonight. They're two and four right now, coming off a right. dominant year in a Super Bowl championship year. Yeah, since Carson Wentz returned um, in week three, they're just one and two. Uh, they've obviously been forced into a position where they're playing from behind a lot more often. Uh, this season so far than they did a year ago. Uh, Wentz has not been particularly uh, good in that 
Um, you know, he, he really took advantages of third down, uh, of defenses on third down last year, had the highest completion percentage in the league. Now he's got the lowest completion percentage in the league. When he's pressured, uh, he's, he's only completed like 47% of his passes. All of his success has come when he's not been pressured. The offensive line, you know, Lane jo- uh, Johnson, the right guard, uh, right tackle, went on the injury report today with an ankle injury. Be interesting to see if he plays. Uh, you mentioned the running back situation. They lost Jay Ajayi. So there's a real expectation, I think, given that they cleared some cap space uh, by redoing Fletcher Cox's contract and creating $6.5 million worth of cap space, that they're going to make a move I, at the running back position, like they did last year when they acquired Ajayi in a trade with the Dolphins right at the deadline. Uh, they've got till the end of the month. Uh, I asked about Le'Veon Bell with a source there who said that Bell uh, is too expensive currently in their mind, but a player who may not be, uh, certainly is not as expensive in terms of payroll, is LaShawn McCoy uh, on a rebuilding team in Buffalo. And, you know, Sean McDermott, the head coach, didn't exactly come out and say no to the reports that have surfaced that there might be uh, a potential trade between the two organizations. And Howie Roseman is a guy we know as a general manager, is one of the most aggressive GMs in the league. And I think that that kind of move might send the right message to his team, just like the move for Ajayi did last year. That's the voice of Ed Warder. He's joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. I did mention the, the Giants. Um, the G-Men came out and played uh, a hard-fought, spirited game, which they lost on a 63-yard field goal. But they were also dealing with, during the you know, before the game and then after the game, the interview with, that Odell Beckham Jr. had with Josina Anderson, which Lil Wayne made an appearance. <laughs> I, I, you know, look, before the season, they signed him to a contract, a contract extension, and my thought was like, what is the rush? You know, you go back three months before the contract, and he was in a room with a woman, and there was coke in the room, and there was talk of them being done with him with the franchise. Now, like three months of good behavior, like okay, and I, I wanted to see how he handled adversity. And this is how he handles adversity. He calls out teammates. He calls out his coaching staff. He calls out their heart. Like, um, how's, how's Odell Beckham Jr. View, viewed right now with the Giants? Well, I'm sure that um, uh, with Dave Gettleman, the general manager, uh, the ownership, and uh, Pat Shermer, that, or, yeah, Pat Shermer, that there's, you know, a real sense of betrayal here because they, they did give him uh, big money. Uh, they felt like he earned it by the way he interacted with them during the off season, and then as soon as he gets the money a month later, he's you know he's not showing confidence in Eli Manning as a quarterback. He's not even saying that that this is where he wants to spend the rest of his career. He's talking about going to Los Angeles, uh, but then he goes out and has a relatively brilliant performance on the field. Uh, was certainly adventurous. He he fumbled a punt and and was tackled and and the Panthers scored a touchdown on that play. He threw for a touchdown. He caught a touchdown pass. Uh, so that's I'm sure they're not thrilled with the maturity level of the guy, uh, but they recognize his value as one of the real playmakers in the game. And uh, obviously they committed in the draft to to another season with Eli Manning at 37 by taking Shaquan Barkley, who's been terrific. Uh, so that remains to be seen, but uh, I'm sure there's misgivings about what they did. Uh, he certainly didn't reinforce the decision as a good one for the Giants with his behavior uh, in front of the television cameras last week. Doug Gottlieb, show Fox Sports Radio. That's the voice of Ed Werder. He joins us. You know, it's interesting. It's kind of quietly what's happened during the last week. James Winston now back as a starting quarterback, and they're using him um, in their ad campaigns, in their marketing campaigns, building up for for this weekend. 
Uh, coming off that three-game suspension, obviously Fitz played really well up until, you know, obviously Fitz Magic ran off, ran, ran out. Um, how solid is the footing Jameis Winston's on in Tampa? Well, you know, Dirk Cutter said even when, uh, when he made the change, uh, uh, as inevitable as we all knew it was, from Fitzpatrick back to Jameis Winston, that, you know, he said Winston's going to be here longer than I am. Uh, so there, that's a recognition that he is. He was drafted to be their franchise quarterback when they spent the number one overall pick. The reason Dirk Cutter is the head coach at the expense of Lovey Smith is because the organization viewed him as his offense and his coaching as an important component in Jameis Winston's early success. So uh, let's see if he's changed by this bad experience that he's had. I, I think most people would question uh, whether that's likely to change behavior that's existed for a very long time with this particular player. Uh, I'm not surprised necessarily to see the Bucks go out and use him as a centerpiece of their marketing campaign. I think they want to reinforce their relationship with him. Uh, you know, it's going to cost him $21 million to have him on the roster next year. They've already committed to that. So I don't really think it's a surprise. I think it'll be interesting to see if he can pacify uh, and use Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson uh, as well as uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick did the first three games of the year. Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 uh, definitely fascinating and interesting stuff. Last thing, game of the week is Monday Night Football. Uh, excuse me, Sunday Night Football. Kansas City taking on New England. Um, you go back a couple weeks ago, and I think all of us we didn't want to hit that panic button, we're, but we were tempted to do so, especially watching them in Jacksonville after losing to the Lions to, as well. Like, ooh. Um, have they fixed everything, or is it simply a matter of who they played? Well, I think New England's on an upswing just because, you know, now they've had, well, this is Josh Gordon's third third week with the team, Rob Gronkowski's. Again, they got Julian Edelman back last week. Uh, so I think there's an expectation that offensively they should improve from this point forward, uh, barring any more injuries. But this this is a huge game for them because their model for getting to the Super Bowl has been to dominate the AFC East uh, you know, have the best record in, in the AFC, get a home division round game, and then host the championship game and go to the Super Bowl. Uh, that's the way they've always done it. Well, if they lose uh, to Kansas City this week, then they'll effectively be four games behind the Chiefs in the race for the number one seed long time, you know, in the future, though it is. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes will uh, present a different a different uh, player for them to defend themselves against. But uh, Bill Belichick's had great success. He's only making his seventh NFL start. And Belichick's 10-0 and against uh, quarterbacks who have started fewer than 10 games against him. So uh, it's a real interesting matchup uh, and, and real pivotal in terms of how ultimately, uh, you know, the playoffs, where they might be play- where those games might be played, whether it's in New England or Kansas City in the end of yep. the year. Yep, Ed Werder is an NFL insider. Follow him on Twitter, at EdWerderRFA, and check out his Doomsday podcast. Ed, great stuff. Enjoy Thursday Night Football. We'll catch up next week. Sounds great, Doug. I look forward to it. Thanks. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. We had Major League Baseball's playoffs getting ready for the World Series. ALDS gets underway tomorrow night. Tonight, you got Thursday Night Football, Giants against Eagles. Of course, uh, America's Game of the Week on Sundays. The World Series upcoming college football in the Big Ten. It's amazing. And the guy who um, has to call every one of these events, he's contractually obligated to do so, is Joe Buck. And he's kind enough to join us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Joe, how are you? How, how are you? More importantly, how's the voice holding up? Uh, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Thanks. 
<laughs> I don't know. We'll see at the end of October and uh, the beginning of November when I'm back to football full time. But so far, so good. And you know, I think people make a bigger deal out of doing all these different games back to back and multiple games in a week and all that. You just you, you kind of do your work. You you show up and you see what happens and you talk about it. It's it's not really uh, it's not really rocket science. Um, or otherwise, there'd be rocket scientists in the booth, right? I mean, that's that's the that's be rockets. Huge... Otherwise, yes, uh, the first man movie with Ryan Gosling would be about announcers and not Neil Armstrong. Um, th- that's the voice of Joe Buck who joins us tonight on Thursday Night Football. Giants host the Eagles. The great thing about this, uh, which uh, of course seven thirty Eastern Time, four thirty on Fox, is you just saw the Eagles on Sunday, right? You guys just called that yeah. the game in in Philadelphia, so. There's not a ton of, it's not like you got to go back and watch tape. You prep for that one. You prep for this one. Have you been able to put your finger on why um, they're not hitting on all cylinders? I just think they start, you know, when, when your quarterback tears his ACL, among other ligaments, and doesn't play in the preseason, and the first string offense, even with Bulls during the preseason, didn't score any points, and they, they looked like they were struggling to to get some timing, and then they bring the quarterback at, back after a couple of weeks, Wentz. I still think they're searching for some kind of rhythm. That doesn't absolve the offensive line from all the sacks or the quarterback hits, and Wentz has been sacked 12 times in three games. That's too much. The secondary uh, looks a little bit more suspect than it did a year ago, but I, I think by the end of the year, when you look around at the NFC East, I don't know how, at least as we sit here in week six uh you don't say philadelphia is still the best team in the nfc east I, I think that'll prove to be true by the end it may not be even tonight but I, I think they'll i think they'll win this division again this year joe buck who's joining us from metlife stadium i know because i have a friend who's standing behind you taking a picture uh showing showing you in the booth uh getting ready uh getting you doing some prep uh for tonight's game that's 7 30 last week's I'm looking at last week's board and basically just transcribing everything that was on last week's thing to this week's thing. So it's it's like the greatest copycat experience of, of a lifetime. Yeah, but look, this is not like when you're in a frat in college when you can go back in last year's tests, right? Like that's your own work that you're checking. It's not somebody else's work. Correct. That you're yeah, checking. this is not like the work of Tom Brenneman or Jim. I'm not taking Jim Vance's notes from last week's Vikings-Eagles game and taking it for my own. This is my own work. I'm doing my first NFL sideline this weekend. I need some advice. Oh, my God. Who are you yeah. doing? Um, Bears, Dolphins. Well, hello. It's a good game. Right. I know. You got 85. I feel like I want to do flashbacks to 85 Bears, Dolphins, but like nobody in the field even knows that game existed. Um, right. Yeah. It just makes you feel old. You know, when I start looking at head coaches now, and you go to their age... I was just looking at uh, Craig Council getting ready for the Brewers and the Dodgers tomorrow night, and uh, he's a year and a half younger than I am. Uh, and and I look at it like a big league manager. I, since I was doing this, since I was 21, everybody feels older to me. But I'm basically older than everybody I cover now, including the head coach and his assistants. So it's it's been a nice life change for me over the last few years. How do you do that? I mean, like, listen, obviously, we've talked about this before on air. I know everybody talks about it with you off air, and you've had your book, and you've had shows about it in that people, you know, anything you say is dissected and dissected again. 
How do you, but baseball, especially so much of it is based, not just historically. And obviously you have an encyclopedia brain growing up around the game, but like, look, you're calling Thursday and Sunday, and now you're thrust into the NLDS and there's only so much you can prep for Like, do you go back and watch every game? How do you do that level of prep? Because baseball, especially the one time you say, Hey, he's doing well and he's been doing poorly. People will jump all over you. How do you prep for two different sports, especially at that level? I, you know, at some point you figure out what you need to know and maybe more importantly what you don't need to know. And you find the shortcuts and you can do it in a way that, you know, you, you are well-versed. I'll, I'll know something on everybody in the lineup tomorrow night for the Dodgers and for the Brewers. And, I'll, you know, it's Clayton Kershaw's pitching, for God's sake, against Gio Gonzalez, who I've done in the postseason uh, before. So it's not like I haven't seen these guys before. And then you just – do the game. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't watch a lot of tape. I'll watch a game when I come across it. I got into a lot of trouble years back when I said on, on a show, you know, I, I don't watch all the West Coast feeds of baseball games every night. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I'm trying to live my life. I don't, you know, I, wh- why I see just about as much as everybody else. And then I read, I think, more than anybody else. But then you just go do the game. I, I don't understand why everybody freaks out about two games in a week. I grew up doing five, six games in a week, sometimes seven, doing baseball every day. And you get conditioned for that. And, uh, you know, two games a week is really not that big of a deal. People work a hell of a lot harder than I do in the rest of the world. No question. It's like when people say, well, I, I flew so much. Like, you didn't actually fly the plane. You just sat there and rode and people you fed you drinks. And right? slept and drank and read <laughs> and watched uh, Netflix, whatever you downloaded. So I... I I don't know. I'm just not I'm not a big fan of trying to do the hey, I work so hard thing because everybody works hard. And I grew up, you know, trailing around after my dad with all these games. I mean, he worked 10 times harder than I work and and made probably a tenth of what I make. And I, and I I I saw that as a boy. It's why I'm doing what I do because I loved being around him. But he he whistled into the booth and whistled on out and loved every minute of it. And if he wasn't complaining, my God, I should be the last person to bitch and moan about it. Um, you know, it's, what's interesting is a couple years ago, actually more than a couple years ago, as we both talk about how old we've gotten now, uh, I told you you nailed it on the, I, 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 you know, the, the ability to, to use your dad's call when the Cardinals twice were down their last pitch and come back in Game 6 of the World Series against the Rangers. And, of course, your call was, we'll see you tomorrow night, which is exactly what your dad said, which is amazing. I still think, it, you know, my favorite call of his, and again, I'm a West Coast guy, so I didn't hear him every night with the Cardinals, was Kirk Gibson's home run. Um, how, how much do you, do you feel his energy when you're calling the World Series? All the time. Um, you know, he wasn't one... I'm just proud to follow him into this business because there's not anybody I have ever met in the 30 years I've done it now that a sentence hasn't started with, hey, you know, I worked with your dad back in the 80s. I don't have to duck and worry about what's the what, what's the second part of that sentence. You know, <laughs> like, and that son of a bitch, you know, owes me eight grand or something. And it's it's none of that. People enjoyed being around him. And, and when I hear those calls, like the Kirk Gibson home run or, in my hometown of St. Louis, the Ozzie Smith go crazy, folks go crazy. It was just a raw emotion that he had and a love of the game and a love of those players. I mean, he, he got around these guys, got to know them, 
consider them friends. And when I go back and listen to a Bob Gibson no-hitter, he's making the call in the ninth inning, and his voice cracks because he's crying. Because he, he that's the beauty of, of sport to him, and, and he loved Bob Gibson. And when I listen to that, that to me is my favorite call of his because he was choked up calling a, a no-hitter. That's how much he loved it. And uh, so I feel that all the time. There's no way I ever walk into a booth and, and then there's not some piece of my dad that I'm, I'm carrying in there with me. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And I don't mean to bore you, and I'm sure people do this all, all the time, but Gibson's home run, I was uh, my best friend growing up, still my closest friend now, is Miles Simon. He's now an assistant with the Lakers. Uh, he, we were both Mets fans because of our, he was a Mets fan. I was a Mets fan because my dad was a New Yorker. And so we're just watching Gibson. And he turns to me, he's like, Gibson's going to hit a home run. And I was like, get out of here. He's like, watch, he's going to hit a home run. And he, your dad perfectly described it. Then he hits it and he says, I don't, I don't believe what I just saw. I don't believe what I just saw. And that's, it was yeah. the, and then he laid out, which of course is what, what broadcasters are all taught to do. And no one ever does. And just let the ambiance and the crowd noise. And it was amazing. I remember exactly where I was during that moment. That's the power of, of baseball, baseball moments. All right, let's, let's get back to oh, tonight. I was in college. I was in college and I was the one dork that was sitting back in my dorm room watching watching the world series everybody else was was out doing something and i was i was watching it so i didn't hear my dad's call because i was watching it and i heard scully's call which is just as good and just as poignant and and brilliant and he says you know in the years he's rounding the bases right. and pumping his arms he said in the, in the year of the improbable the impossible has happened which is like i mean just so poetic and perfect uh you know those were two great calls that night the Giants play tonight, and um, uh, I, it is a hard transition, but whatever. OBJ, he has that interview with Josina Anderson, and Little Wayne's there. I know usually Little Wayne rolls with Troy, but instead he, he rolled with uh, with OBJ to yeah, that. Troy that was inter- upset about that. Yeah, they spent a lot of time together in the off season, not during the year. Um, when you when you sat down with the Giants before this game, how how much how much shrapnel is there to pick out? How much is that still an issue within that th- those front offices? None. I, I, I don't think anybody cares, to be honest with you. I Talking to Pat Shermer, and, and I think it's because of the way Pat Shermer handled it. And if there was any, you know, uh, Odell said after the game, you know, hey, if that brought this team together, then I'll do that every time. I To me, it was more the reaction by the head coach. And that, for as upset as the Maras and the ownership of the Giants should have been at Odell Beckham, if nothing else, kind of uh, – not really answering the question, are you happy in New York? The answer should have been, hell yes, if they've put their money behind me and I'm going to do, but but it, that wasn't the answer, as we know. For as disappointed as they, I'm sure, were to that, they should have been thrilled with the way their first-year head coach handled it. And so I, I think he came off and showed exactly what he's all about, and I don't think anybody cares one lick about that interview with the Giants. I think they're worried about the Eagles, and I don't think it's just, you know, BS athletes speak i don't think they care i i think the media it's, it's another example of how the media and i'm part of it yeah and i'm sure we'll talk about it tonight the media cares more about it than the players or the people involved what about eli not in terms of the criticism but in in the the, the closing window here right like they've they change coaches. Yeah. They they change coaches. They change coordinators they change lines they get a new running back they got the wide receivers back and yet He's still kind of getting quick, hot potato in that football, and they're still not as productive as they should be. Um, what's your sense of, of Eli Manning and the idea that maybe Father Time is is announcing his presence? 
Well, I think I think it's a convergence of all that stuff. Yeah, they changed the offensive line. That doesn't mean the offensive line's good. Uh, it doesn't mean that you know they've they've solved the riddle. Uh, they're better than they were, but I don't know that they're opening gaping holes for Barkley, who's as impressive a guy on the field as he is off the field. Uh, what a good kid he is! And uh, you know, we'll see if, if they can squeeze another year out of Eli Manning, another two years out of Eli Manning. Fine. They obviously didn't view those other quarterbacks as franchise guys. They viewed the running back as a generational running back, and he may very well be. But it doesn't mean they have to buy into the hype on Darnold or any of the other guys, and they're going to have to hope that they can squeeze two years out of Eli Manning and, and that Beckham and, and this offensive line you know, continues to gel and get better. But uh, if it doesn't, then they're not going to win. If it does, then they got a shot in a really bad division. Well, listen, have a great call tonight. Can't wait to hear you, Troy, and, um, and, and Aaron on the game with the defending champions taking on the Giants. And then safe travels to Milwaukee. Can't wait to hear that call of uh, Kershaw versus Gio Gonzalez. Game one of the NLDS. Big time for you. Thanks so much for joining us, Joe. Always a pleasure. All right, Doug. Anytime. Thanks. All right, man. Joe Buck joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show live from MetLife, getting you ready for Thursday night football, which is on Fox. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.